Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Time now to talk a little BYU football with Darnell Dixon. He covers BYU for the Daily Herald. He's joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Darnell, good morning. Good morning to you guys. So I guess the question is, BYU's 2-2, two and two, which I think for people making prognostications was really the best-case scenario, but they've also lost their starting running back. How optimistic should Cougar fans be going forward? Because I think a lot of people were hoping 2-2 two and two would turn into 8-4. and four. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, I look at that 2-2 two and two and I see how BYU fans can say, hey, you know, I don't think anybody thought we'd be 2-2 two and two after those four games. But I look at it as two blowouts and two really fortunate wins. So there's still a lot out uh, as far as what this team really is and how good they can actually be. Uh, we know the schedule's not quite as stiff as they go forward in these eight games. There are some challenges, obviously, there with Utah State and Boise State, especially because those two teams have kind of uh, had BYU's number for a couple of years. Um, I, I think BYU fans should, should be optimistic. I think BYU has better uh, depth to handle some of these injuries that they've had. Um, they're not like, you know, some of these uh, other Power 5 teams that they, they replace a five-star with a five-star, but I think that they've got some good talent in the running back group to, to step up and and, uh, and get some good yards. It's, it's just too bad for Tyson Williams. He was really fitting in well, and, and I think he had a really bright future here at BYU, have a re- really nice season. Um, but uh, the coaches and players all say next man up, and they've got some guys that can step in and play those positions. And, you know, the offense has been kind of up and down in this preseason. I think they've shown some progress, but the consistency is not there yet. And and the defense really hasn't stopped anybody yet, especially with the run. So I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered as the schedule changes a little bit and they, they have a little bit more favorable um, um, time to, to take on some of these other programs. So do you think with Williams down, even though they got a couple other guys there for sure, will they feature more of the pass? Well, that's a good question, too. I, I think that a lot of it depends on the opponent. Uh, I think when they play on Saturday at uh, at Toledo, this is a, a team that, that gave up 694 total yards to Colorado State and 405 of those were passing. So you think there's going to be some places for them to exploit it. Um, I know that they talk a lot about balance as far as running and passing, but they still lean pretty heavily, I think, on the pass. And they really like what Zach Wilson's doing. Um, I, I think they'll try to balance it. But again, it's it's dependent on the opponent and Toledo's shown a propensity to give up a lot of pass yards. So I think we might see uh, some some play calls that, that run the ball but set up some trying to hit some big pass plays as well. So you mentioned the BYU defense, the ability to stop the run, and uh, Brian Kobach just ran for a couple hundred yards for Toledo against CSU. How much should BYU be worried about that rushing attack versus their rush defense? Well, Toledo was interesting because when they played at BYU two or three years ago, they were a passing team and and ran up some some great totals uh, offensively against the BYU defense. At that point, I think that BYU defense was probably better than the one that they have on the field this year. So, I think they should be plenty worried about what Toledo can do on the ground. And uh, those young linebackers are going to be forced to make some plays, and and they've made some plays, but certainly given up way too much on the ground and. They've been fortunate. They've had some good red zone defense and forced some field goals in some other games. Washington kind of um, took care of them pretty easily on, on Saturday, and 
you know, Toledo's not Washington, but they definitely have some guys like you mentioned, Kubak and, and their quarterback's a good runner as well. So it, it's a different test each week. And, and this defense, this, you know, drop eight, rush three may not play as much of a role in in this game because of how much Toledo runs, but they're going to be tested. And, and it's an early morning game as well. So, you know, what's it, a 10 o'clock start out there or out here? And so um, there's some, some challenges there for BYU as they go on the road. Does a loss to Toledo take the luster off the two overtime wins? For sure it does. It's it's a MAC team, and it's. I think that what the BYU program wants to get to is they want to be uh, a team that can compete with Power 5 teams. They've shown they can do that to some extent um, with, with the Tennessee and USC wins, but consistency is important, and I think that they're going to be expected to win, and that, that puts you in a kind of a different situation when you're a team on the road and you have some things going against you, but you're still expected to come out on top. And, and I, I think the BYU fan base is expecting that, those that are paying for the ESPN Plus so they can watch the game. And, and I think that the, the, the coaches have their work cut out for them this week and trying to make sure this group is ready for a different kind of challenge. It's not a P5 program, but it's definitely a program that could – that could mess up their season. And, you know, they go from these first four games where they're two and two, they have eight games that they're going to be favored in the majority of those. And so they've got to deal with those kind of pressures as well. So do you think there's a a big chance of a letdown here, trap game and all that kind of stuff? Uh, You get a little bit of a chance to talk to guys on Monday and kind of get a feeling for how they're, how they're looking at this. Yeah, you know, Kalani was a little salty on Monday. He was asked some questions about the first four games and, and kind of evaluating the team, and he just didn't want to talk about it. He's he's all about Toledo right now, and I think that sends a message to the rest of the, the players that you know, those four games are done, and, and we won two and lost two, and you have to focus on your next opponent or you can get tripped up. And so that attitude will, will pay off for them if that's permeating throughout the entire team. Now, we just know that the – the players that talked to the media and in Kalani's talk, you kind of said it that way. And so that's the, the tack they're taking. So I, I don't think that they'll, they'll be thinking they can handle this one easily. I think that they still believe that they're going to be a good team and they have a lot to prove, and this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah, how much is that from last year's experience of having some big wins and then some crummy losses? Yeah, I think the coaching staff is prepared for that, and I think that the players know that you're only as good as your last game. And, and, again, we talk about perception. And, and if BYU is not good enough to beat a, a mid-level MAC team, then there are issues. And, and that, that puts the perspective uh, for, for fans that, that this program still has a long way to go. And they're still building. And I think that, that most people expected, you know, if you look at, at expectations for this year, getting to eight wins was something that, that they thought would be a doable goal. And it still is. Um, and, and, you know, in reality, they could win all eight of these games and, and, and end up with more than eight wins. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a process that Kalani has put his program through. They've made some changes, obviously, the coaching staff offensively last year, and, and they put themselves in a position to be a little bit deeper at some places that they've, they've suffered in. So it's an op- always an opportunity to play against a, 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 a team the next week, improve yourself. And like Kalani said on Monday, he doesn't want to talk about the first four games. He only wants to talk about Toledo. 
I'm curious, <clears throat> over the course of the season, if you're a good team, you know, you keep getting better, and usually there's some guys who over the course of the season kind of come to the forefront. Is there anybody you're watching here who maybe they're getting a chance because of injury, maybe they're just improving, maybe you're playing different opponents with different skill sets so you get more of a chance, depending on what the game plan is. But the guys you're looking for who have a chance to, to break out who are maybe still a little under the radar after a month? Yeah, I think that that linebacker group is a really good example of that, and and it's because they've got so much youth, <clears throat> so much youth there. Um, guys like Max Tooley and Chaz Ayu and Jackson Kafusi and Keenan Peely, um, Peyton Wilgar. That they've just they're just guys that that are making big plays, but also making big mistakes because they just don't have the experience yet. And, and they're all getting a, a lot of reps now, and and they're, they got good reps against Power Five programs in the first four games. I think the coaching staff and the players know that that will pay off down the road as, as they take on the rest of this schedule. Um, but those are those are the guys I kind of look at. And and then you know there's there's the receiver group that had had three good games and then that kind of a bad game against Washington with some drops and some mistakes. I, I still think that that Gunnar Romney is going to play a pretty big role with that that receivers group as they get going and. And they managed to find uh, Aleva Hifo a little bit more against Washington. I think that's important. And Matt Bushman had some more catches. So I think the offense uh, needs those guys to step forward. And then we, we talk about the running backs. It's it's now time for Emmanuel Asukpa to, to step up and, and play the role that, that they had for Tyson Williams. He's not maybe as straight ahead fast as Tyson, even though he's got good speed. But he's a little sturdier, I think. And and uh, I think he can provide a lot of help for that offense as well as Lapina Katoa, who's an experienced guy. He got to play a lot last year, so th- there are a number of, of players who have gotten that good experience against these P5 programs, or they had some experience from last year that are going to be asked to step up as they they take on the rest of these eight games. Is this offense capable of scoring forty points? Yeah, you know, I I, I was. I was talking to some people about the offense, and I, I know that they were a lot of people are encouraged by the fact that they moved the ball. Um, they have you know pretty good overtimes in, in, in those situations, and against Washington, you take away some of those drops and and, and the, the turnovers, and they did move the ball fairly well against the Washington defense. That's generally one of the better ones in the Pac-12. So I think there's some encouragement there. It's it's just a matter of being consistent and, and avoiding those those big mistakes that have set them back and. Um, I think they've got some potential to do that, maybe more so now against some teams that don't have the kind of defense that they've been facing. But I, I you know, I think that Idaho State they can score forty against them, but can they score forty against Toledo or Utah State or Boise State? That's still up for up for grabs. We don't know. I think that Zach Wilson has been inconsistent. He's had some great moments, but also some moments where he kind of shows he's just in his sophomore year and still pretty young. So. 40 points would be a great goal against any of these teams that are playing in the next month or so. Uh, I think, you know, like UMass and Liberty and Idaho State aren't going to be much of a challenge for BYU, but I'd be more impressed if they did it against Utah State or Boise State or Toledo. So are you still thinking 8-4 and four is a good goal, a good season, and it's still reachable, or are you recalibrating any of that? I think 8-4 and four is, is still a good goal, but if that's the case, then – likely they'd be losing to Boise State and Utah State and beating the other teams on their schedule. And if that ends up being 8-4, and four, I think there's a little bit of, of, a, of a letdown in that situation because if you look at the schedule in that sense, really you know, beating USC and Tennessee was kind of maybe a surprise to some people. But the rest of the schedule is, is something that, that if they play well and continue to improve, they should be able to handle those games. 
Uh, Utah State and Logan's going to be very difficult. Boise State, as, as we mentioned before, they've kind of had BYU's number, and they're coming to Provo. So I, I think if they don't win one of those two games, there's still going to be a sense that the program isn't moving forward. And, and again, we're talking about perception. Is the program improving? Are they getting to a point uh, where, where it looks like they're getting better every year? And if, I think unless they beat one of those two teams, Boise State or Utah State, I think that that perception is still that they're a long, a long ways off. And I, I think that that's, that's going to hurt um, the, the, the fan base is not going to be as interested, and Kalani is going to be maybe a little bit more under fire at that point. Notre Dame subbing out for Utah those two years? Yeah, maybe. I heard Central Florida might be interested in, in, in that situation. You know, maybe it's going to be like Ross and Rachel on Friends. Maybe a break is a good thing uh, for the programs to, to kind of take a step back for those two years. And I, I'm a purist. I think that BYU and Utah should play every year, but we're, we know we're in a different college football uh, scenario anymore and and things aren't the same rivalries don't mean the same and, and so you've got those two years and you know it's nice for for utah to have an opportunity to bring up a club like florida uh, the salt lake and, and so I, I don't see anything really bad about it other than um it's good to see those two programs play every year so with the uh schedule going forward What's the feedback, and I don't know how much you've heard about it, do they feel like they've gotten the schedule where they want? Because some of the schedules going forward look even more difficult than this year. And I know some people are holding their breath about this year. And obviously with the two overtime games, a play here, a play there, you know, it could have been really different. Have they hit the right level? Do they need to do a little more to stay on the national radar? Were they lucky they got through this and they've overscheduled? What do you think? It's a very tricky business when you're talking about scheduling and independence, and some of that has to match up with how good you think you're going to be. I think BYU was expected to be, in 2020, a pretty good team. They're very young this year, and they have a lot of guys coming back. But you take a look at that 2020 schedule, and they go at Utah, Michigan State at home, at Arizona State, at Minnesota, Utah State, Missouri, Houston. I mean, that's killer. And they've tried to build up their – uh, their program and, and their depth so they can handle that kind of thing. Um, and and I, I don't know, that's a very difficult schedule. I think if, if you're looking, like, what are they going to do with that Utah slot in those two years? I think maybe they go down a little bit instead of playing someone the caliber of Utah because they're starting to get some, some pretty big games coming up. And, and it's it's such a unique schedule. No one else plays a schedule like BYU does. Um, and, and, and I think it's it's telling that you saw two season-ending injuries over the course of those four games for BYU, and pretty significant ones that when you add in Zane Anderson, a uh, safety linebacker, who's one of their better defenders, and Tyson Williams. So it, it's a delicate balance, and, and I, I think next year's schedule is probably as difficult as they want to make it. I don't think they want to go beyond that, and, and as they move forward, I think they've got to consider that Maybe you don't play four P5s in a row. Maybe you throw in, try to throw in a, a lower division team in that situation just to keep your guys healthy. Darnell, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking Cougars for a few minutes. All right, fellas. Have a good day.